With another international break comes another Ghost Goal Pod edition of the Continental Catch-Up. We've been talking Premier League, mostly England-centric topics so far during the season. But meanwhile, on Europe's mainland continent, there's been plenty of going on this summer in the transfer window in France, Spain, Italy, and of course Germany. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Uh, we had previously recorded one of these continental catch-ups during the last international break back in September. R- but due to technical peace. difficulties, it uh, had to be put down. That was my bad, everyone. Uh, so I take full responsibility Honestly, for that. Honestly, Alex and I have talked about it. it. It wasn't that great of a pod. It was pretty ju- jumbled up. It's pretty hard to fit in all five or like all four of those leagues in in an hour to cover everything. So we're not going to do that this pod. We're going to hit on a few teams that we think we're going to win the title and maybe a team to watch. And we're going to talk about it in the in the context of the Champions League, which we also haven't really talked about yet on this pod. So, Right, exactly. And I mean, the other thing I want to stress is that we want to go for quality rather than quantity when we talk about certain topics in Europe. Of course, there's so much to choose from. But I mean, there's obvious storylines, you know, Lionel Messi going to PSG. We, we haven't really talked about that <laughs> like on this podcast so so like so far maybe like a mention for five or ten minutes at the beginning of a premier league one but we're going to talk about uh psg obviously and you know what that signing and all the goings on around there mean for their season but then there's going to be other teams that you may be thinking like oh why didn't they bring up like roma for example not that we're not going to talk about them i'm just picking one out of the air there's plenty of teams that we are interested in but we just can't fit into this one so Rather than waste time talking about how we don't have much time, let's jump into this. The Champions League has kicked off. We're two games into the group stage. It's been a rather unpredictable uh, group stage so far. Uh, I mean, I'll go right back to PSG. They're in a group with Manchester City. Started off their campaign underwhelmingly with a draw at uh, Brugge and then came back and beat Manchester City in the, in the second game. Uh, to sort of put themselves back on track. Obviously, with the signing of Messi, I mean, the, the the goal has always been to win the Champions League. Now it's it's nothing short of an expectation that they win the Champions League, and not just for that Messi signing. There's plenty of signings we've maybe given a passing mention to, such as you know Hakimi and uh, Jorginho Wijnaldum. Uh, Wijnaldum is another big one. Yeah, of course, Donnarumma. Yes, so many. Do you think those signings make them the front runners uh, to win the Champions League this season? I think it's a pretty basic question. I think they have to be the favorites in terms of like on paper, but I think we, everyone knows that a team like Bayern Munich is a better team. And if those two were to they come beat up, Bayern Munich last year without Messi, it's true. I just I don't know. I think Mbappe has a foot out the door. And it, oh yeah, that's without a doubt. And uh, Messi still hasn't adapted yet to the system. So far, he he just scored his first goal, I think, right before the international break for PSG. Um, and it yeah, took a against few Manchester games. City. It took a few games. It's not that he had been playing bad; he'd gotten a few assists, but you know, he he hadn't really been gotten involved as much as he wanted to. And you know, maybe he now he's going to go on a run for them. It's hard to judge what PSG is going to look like. I think Pochettino is still experimenting a lot. I think he can afford to do that in the league with now like how how deep of a squad. It's expected that they're going to win the league in France. You know they lost it lost it last year and bringing in Pochettino, they're I think they're expecting to to win the league here. So 
that's got to be the the goal here. And and then of course, like you said, the Champions League. I'm not going to bet on them to win the Champions League. Um, I, I I don't think Pochettino is the manager to do it. Um, and I, I just I think I think there's too many cooks in the kitchen right now for that team. And I don't know. Can I don't you know really you can blame really Pochettino though? Have you? Can you really blame him because? They brought him in mid-season last year after, you know, all sorts of different circumstances led to them having a really terrible start to the season. They'd lost the Champions League a week before. I mean, they'd lost the Champions League final, that game against Bayern Munich. Because of the whole rescheduling due to COVID, they played that Champions League final and they had to restart their following French League campaign the next week. And, you know... for. That, and it was kind of obvious that they were going to get off to a slow start, and they never really got full momentum, even once Pochettino came in. And, you know, they obviously, on paper, like you mentioned, they have a great team. They've gone out and had probably one of the best transfer windows any club has ever had in terms of the, the value of player they got uh, compared to the amount of money they spent in transfer fees. But it still feels like uh, not, not really the kind of tools that Pochettino would thrive with it, it seems like it, it seems like it's they've doubled up on the same issues they've had over the last couple of years with Neymar and Mbappe where there, there's like a miss in there's something missing in terms of the balance they have all of the pace and ability on the counter-attack but they kind of lack the, the control of games from midfield and to sort of make up for that Pochettino I, I, from what I can see so far in these last couple of games the system that's starting to take shape Pochettino is just fully committed to having three destroyers, three ball winners in midfield, preferably Verratti, Idrissa Gay, and either Wijnaldum or uh, Ander Herrera, who started the season really well. And the, the more work rate you have in that midfield, it kind of makes up for what you're missing in terms of your your forward pressing with Messi, Mbappe, and Neymar up there. Like, not that Mbappe can't press, but like you said, he's got one foot out the door. And he's a star player. I, don't, I think he probably has it in his mindset now that he shouldn't have to press. He should be able to sort of rest his legs and wait to pounce uh, and, you know, win the game for them like most star players do. So it's a really tough job for Pochettino. He definitely has the, the tools to do it, but I'm with you. I, I, I don't know. When they come up against a team like Bayern Munich or Manchester City again, maybe in the knockouts or Liverpool or Chelsea, th- those are teams that even from the so-called star players, they're getting, you know, top top level work rate out of their star players and they can you know suffocate PSG with the press and possession and maybe limit their chances that way so yeah I mean maybe we eat our words later but I think the the, what, the easiest way to put it is that they should expect to win the Champions League but they still have to prove it to everyone first because I, I haven't seen anything so far this season that indicates they definitely are going to be even in the Champions League semifinals let alone winning it so i think they still definitely get out of their group probably oh, yeah, in doubt. second place and city probably manchester city probably win the group i think that that battle for third will be interesting between bruges and leipzig because bruges have had a great start with a win and a draw i think it's pretty leipzig. certain it's going to be it's going to be Brugge now they're uh they just beat leipzig and did look really good against uh psg in the first game so uh, maybe they can even uh, push one of those two teams for uh, one of the top two spots. Since we're, since we're talking about PSG, let's 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 hit on France real quick, Alex. PSG for the title. Yeah, I mean, there's right. there's no debate. What's They've your, one te- other team, what's to your team to watch? I mean, it has to be Marseille. 
Okay, well, like, mine's Monaco. Uh, oh, it's Monaco? Okay. Yeah. Well, Marseille is under Jorge Sampaoli, the former Chile and Argentina coach. You know, he's a disciple of Marcelo Bielsa. Plays a really uh, attacking, open uh, style that's always guaranteed for chaos. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've had plenty of interest in Marseille so far this season. They've got uh, William Saliba, who yeah, seems no, to be playing I mean, really I've, well. For yeah. me, they're very interesting, but I don't know if they're going to be good enough to, to make a consistent push into that top four. They're, they're not far off it right now. They, they've played one fewer game than the rest of the league because, uh, I mean, this was a crazy storyline at the time, but they played in Nice, which was like a, it's a rivalry game. And a fight broke out or like basically a riot broke out when fans threw a bottle at Dimitri Payet and he picked it up and threw it back. And then the fans poured onto the pitch and all hell broke loose. So they suspended that game and they're rescheduling it to be played behind closed doors. And Nice were up 1-0 in that game too. So they get that wiped out. They have to start all over again. And it's kind of set up for Marseille to probably win that. And they'll be back in top four if they get a win there. So uh, it's a very volatile situation. I'm not saying they're going to be good. I'm just saying they're going to be good to watch. They're always guaranteed blockbuster. So if you ever see Marseille playing, just check it out. Uh, and they're also going to be in the Europa League. And so I think they could maybe have a little push in Europa League, uh, do something there. Same uh, with, same got with good the young Monaco, players. basically. Conrad, you got to keep an eye on them also for Conrad De La Fuente, the American left oh, winger. Yeah, he he plays play a good there. amount for them. Yeah. And they've obviously Dimitri Payet and plenty of other exciting players what what about monaco stands out to you um i mean i i think nico kovac their coach is pretty good coach um and he has a a a good mix of experience and young players they have that that midfield pivot of uh, those two kids tushameni who just started for france over this last international break aurelion chouameni chouameni and uh this matazo kid uh, from Belgium. Oh, I thought you were going to say Fafana, the other midfielder. Yeah, they have. Th- I think they have three three like midfielders who they rotate. But he played in this last game, Matazo, uh, and he played earlier as well. Um, but then they also have players that we've seen before in in Ben Yedder and and Voland, um, as well as Alexander Golovin, and then even Gelson Martins, who been there for don't a couple of years, it. but finally started to Cesc come into his team. Right. Cesc Fabregas still there. I think he's injured right now, but yeah, they, they, they have cold. a lot of lot of fun players um, to watch, and yeah, I think they could definitely make a push for top four there. Yeah, not much more to say about uh, League On. I mean, the main storyline obviously is that PSG and you know their quest to claim their first Champions League title. Uh, but the the other team, I think, on the continent that has the, the best chance of winning a Champions League has to be Bayern Munich. They've started off uh, just as well as you, you would expect them to. It's pretty close in Bundesliga this year, but you usually expect them to sort of you know separate themselves from the pack uh, slowly. But what do you think about their possibilities of winning Champions League? Uh, I mean, outside of I, I think you know, it's a couple of good. English clubs, I think it's between a couple of English clubs like City, maybe Liverpool, Chelsea, and then it's... PSG and Bayern Munich. Those are the only you, clubs you I think know, you can you say. You know how much I love Julian Nagelsmann. So I'm going to say Bayern Munich are going to win the Champions League because I think now that he has the tools of a team as good as Bayern Munich, you know, they're, they're going to be purring in, in January and February and right at the right time, they're going to they're gonna win the Champions League. I think Nagelsmann took a, with like five or six times less resource team in Leipzig to the Champions League semifinals 
You know, I think he could. Yeah, that he one's could do a weird better. one, though. He could do better he did, with with. Uh, he did that in the COVID year when it was the the single elimination when they came back. Like that. That's the reason they got to the semifinals. So I don't know if I. You know, similarly to PSG getting to the final that year, I don't know if you can really give them full marks for for that. You know, Leon got to the semifinals that season. It, it was it was, bit, it was a bit of the weird one, not just for COVID. Like the the whole changing of the format once we came back was you know just kind of crazy. But but yeah, Bayern Munich. I mean, I I would agree with you. You always have to consider them as one of the favorites, mainly just because, I mean, they 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 made a couple of impactful signings not like many like a ton of signings but they've gone for a very good quality signing in Diet Upamecano the center back from RB Leipzig I think we, we mentioned in, in the lost pod last time that Bayern Munich basically swiped the second place Bundesliga team RB Leipzig swiped their head coach Nagelsmann their best defender Upamecano and their best uh, attacking midfielder in Marcel Sabitzer so They've uh, they've made a few signings that will improve them in areas that they really need it, and will uh, I mean obviously evidently have. Can you, you know, imagine if they go and get Holland, RB Leipzig? If they're just like you know what Lewandowski, we're gonna sell him to Chelsea for you know sixty million, bring in Holland. That would just I could see Bayern doing that. I don't, I don't know if they can't pay him. The, the numbers that are being quoted for Holland are just they're, they're ridiculous. You know that Bayern Munich make like one pretty big signing a year, but it's it's like a Upa Meccano or Sané the previous year. It's it's never the uh, well, I guess he is on a uh, on a, a cheaper buyout clause next summer, but they would still have to pay his wages, which Mino Raiola is not going to make cheap even for Bayern Munich. So I don't know, that one still doesn't seem that feasible to me. I don't it seems like it's Real Madrid Manchester City, they're, they're one of the, the Holland teams. Like Real Madrid seem pretty dead set on getting Mbappe and Holland. So uh, we'll see how that works out. But it's the wages that make it kind of undoable for me. But for Bayern Munich specifically, sorry, just to go back, Lewandowski has gotten himself, you know, well, not, not that he ever left this form, but he's sort of maintained that, you know, ungodly form from seasons past. They lost him to injury at a really pivotal time of last season, right around the time they had PSG in the Champions League quarterfinal. They end up losing that one despite controlling those games and, you know, creating most of the chances. They they just succumbed to a couple of moments of brilliance from Mbappe and uh, Neymar and other players. Do you think it's a similar situation for Bayern this season that like if they lose Lewandowski at some pivotal point of the season... Their Champions League dream is over, and it's just another Bundesliga. Not that that's bad, but no, for Bayern Alex, Munich, they that now would be a have uh, that kid Jamal uh, Musiala. Musiala. Yeah, but he's he's a he's an attacking midfielder. He's yeah, but he's scoring goals for the German national team. Like, yeah, no, I, think I know he, he, he is. Could come he's, in for a he's couple also games. a Cobham graduate, Javier. Him, you don't need to tell me about Jamal Musiala. I'm saying him, Nabri. You know they the, have enough, very they have enough clearly, goals in the side now. They also Sabitzer. You know, like I think they have enough goals in the side. It's, especially, it's, not, it's especially not goals a all around, team, Javier. It's the, it's the front men. It's the one single like pivot in the, the very front of your attack yeah, think, that everything reacts I think they could play Sabitzer as center forward and, and be fine for a few games without Lewandowski. I would think probably like Thomas Muller. Probably see Muller go up there. Musiala plays like in the hole and then... Sane and Nabri. Nabri could even go up top. I've seen Nabri play up front for them before and look really good. And we still haven't seen Bayern even 
uh, whip out that three four three that Nagelsmann uh, oh, so loves so much. You're like we're not even mentioning Leroy Sané, Goretzka. Right. So a lot of attacking players where they can get goals. So Bayern Munich, I think, are the the favorites for the Champions League, and I'm 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 having them as my winners. I think. Oh, it's, wow, this but early. do you think? Do you think Group E? Do you think Barcelona are getting out of that group after starting with zero <sighs> points? Benfica are on four just, points. Should we just wait and do a full pod on Barcelona? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Barcelona have been a shit show this season, especially in the Champions League. They, uh, I'm saying to you before let, let the season started. Though, let me say, though, they got extremely unlucky with the way that whole messy thing went down and how they no, weren't allowed they did, to, they did to not, keep They him. did not get unlucky. They did not get unlucky at all. It was malpractice. They fucked up. It's all their own fault. If they had signed him to the contract extension that they had agreed with him, if they had actually physically signed it before June 30th, he would have been able to stay with them and play. But because they let his contract expire, they couldn't then sign him to the contract under European law because if you let someone go and then bring them back at like 50% of their pay, that's that's just illegal in in Europe. You can do it if you're retaining them and they're still under contract, but you can't do it if you let them expire and then sign them to a new contract. So it was just a straight up admin error by Barcelona that caused the downfall of the club. And that's not even accounting for the years of, you know, mismanagement by the previous board and the previous president spending hundreds of millions of euros on, you know, failed players like Griezmann, who they sent back to Atletico. Griezmann, Coutinho, Ousmane, Dembele. Coutinho, Dembele, exactly. It's a full choke job by Barcelona. And I, for one, am very happy to see it because for years, those pricks screwed over everyone in Europe and had the backing of UEFA. So now they are, uh, the downfall of Barcelona has commenced. Uh, I was just going to say there's those first two Champions League uh, group games so far. The home loss to Bayern Munich, they lost 3-0. And, you know, that's not completely unexpected. Like we just said, Bayern are one of the favorites. But then they followed that up with a 3-0 loss away at Benfica. Benfica are a team that haven't been in the Champions League for two or three years now and have been perennial underperformers themselves. But in those two games, Barcelona have zero shots on target and they didn't look anywhere close to either opponents. The Bayern Munich one, like I said, not that surprising. But when you follow it up with the Benfica performance, now the alarm bells are ringing. Now Ronald Koeman's job's on the line. I I wouldn't be surprised if he was even fired after like this weekend's fixture if they lose that. It's uh, they're outside the top four. I know it's early in the season, but, you know. They need to start incorporating more of these younger players because there are great young players at Barcelona. Well, I was about to say, let's 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 mention some of them because he has incorporated two young players into the team this season. Uh, one who's already starting for Spain in Gavi, who looks to be just like an incarnation of Iniesta again, or like Xavi or Iniesta, kind of a mix of the two. And Nico Gonzalez, who plays next to Busquets. Gavi plays a little bit further up the pitch, much like Iniesta did. Um, and both of these kids are going to be the future for Spain. Gavi already, you know, is starting for them and played in that Nations League, in the both of the Nations League games. And yeah, yeah, he was Memphis, Memphis Depay is, is, he's been good so far this season. He's got nine goals and six, and six assists in yeah. the Euro qualifiers. And 
you know, he's he's still got to grow into this team. Ansu Fati's just recently come back from injury. There's he's still working his way back into the team. Also, the right back, I think it is, uh, Oscar Minguesa. He's 22 years old. He's also been decent for them. I don't think he's been like standout or amazing, but another player who young player Coleman's brought into the team. Uh, and I think, you know, he's 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 got obvious weaknesses in players like PK and Busquets who just clearly aren't good enough for the club. So, obviously there's a re- rebuilding job that needs to be done, a lot of deadwood that needs to be moved on, um but I think I think Barcelona aren't in as dire shape as people are saying. I think in a year or two they could easily turn around. They're still a huge club with a ton of potential. Pedri, Gavi, Nico Gonzalez, you know, uh, Oscar Mingueza, Ansu Fati. These are all, you know, players under the age of 21 that are all going to be world class and already are in some of the in like Gavi or Fati's Situation. Right, let's not go crazy about Gavi just yet. He's not world class right well, now. Well, he looks he's, like it. He's, so had, far. he's had a good start to the season. All right, like, right. Pedri, I would be. allow that. Yeah, but, Pedri, Pedri. But yeah, I, the, I just the interesting I, thing about Barcelona though is no one is denying they have excellent talent. What seems to be the problem is there's this there's a few leftover old guard that you know some of them can still you know, maybe do a job and others are just, like you said, long, long sort of past it. But you've got to be able to select or whoever the manager is, whether it's Komen or Roberto Martinez or going forward, they've got to be able to select which one of those senior players are still capable of helping bring along these young players. Otherwise, you're just going to end up with, no offense, Javier, you're going to end up with a sort of Arsenal-like project where the senior players aren't doing their job you bastard. and it's affecting the ability for the young players to, you know, kind of fill in the gaps. Basically, you don't want to be relying on young players week in, week out to be, you know, winning you the games every single week. It's just it's most likely going to backfire and you they may miss out on top four if that's how it ends up going. They need players like, frankly, Frank, Frankie de Jong needs to step the fuck up. And someone like Sergei Busquets needs to be pushed the, pushed the fuck out of the lineup so that Frankie can sort of take over that development of passing moves from deeper positions, take some of the responsibility off of, uh, you know, the, the bad players they have uh, in uh, the bad aging players they have at the back, like PK. And they, get the they ball also to still these have young like attacking Umtiti. players in good positions in space on the counterattack. Frankie De Jong helped orchestrate useless. a Champions League semifinalist in Ajax a couple seasons ago. I think he's honestly like the key to all of this and getting cert- rid of certain older players. But I don't think I don't think Coman's got the balls to do it. I think you'd have to have pretty big balls as a manager to kick out Busquets and Pique and and Jordi Alba and players like that. So. I don't see it. They 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 keep playing like Memphis Depay and and then De Jong up top. Not that Depay's bad, but like it just seems it's just not unbecoming of Barcelona. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think there's a real risk that they may finish outside top four in La Liga this year, and you may not be seeing cha- uh, Barcelona in Champions League next season. They need to get it together pretty quick. Uh, are, are I you still I saying they're going to make top four? They're going to make top four. Yeah, for sure. I think okay. they have too much young talent. They have too many players. In games that they've lost this season, they've still had you know super high possession, and I think they're just. It's going to take some time for them to figure it out. But their last few results 
Atletico Madrid, they lost 2-0. Benfica, they lost 3-0. Levante, they won 3-0. They drew Cadiz, 0-0. Drew Granada, 1-1. Lost to Bayern Munich. And then, yeah, they had a couple decent results to open the season, like a win at Getafe and a win against Real Sociedad. So, yeah, there were some early decent signs, but it's kind of gone off the rails here. So we'll see if Komen can get it back on track or whether... Uh, they, they switch over to someone else. Uh, it's also important to mention that in about two weeks, they're going to have uh, a matchup in El Clasico with Real Madrid. They're going to be hosting them on Sunday, October 24th. So hopefully they've gotten themselves back to somewhat a re- somewhat respectable level by then. That uh, That's actually an interesting game because I, I hate to see an El Clasico that, that's just dog shit. <laughs> no one wants that. We want a good game from that every time. I think Real Madrid are winning the title this season, Alex. What makes Car- you think that and not Atletico Madrid? Atletico Madrid have only really strengthened. You know, they brought back Griezmann. Because of the Managed way that keep a hold of a lot of other players. playing, man. You think so? Benzema seems like he's Luis Suarez last year. Luis Suarez just led Atletico to a title last year, and I don't, I don't think he has enough to do it this year. I know that they have Griezmann as well, so we'll what, see what, how... What makes you say that about Suarez? He's been can, killing it for them. He has. He has. But the way that Real Madrid have been playing so far, it just it has me thinking that they're going to they're, they're gonna do something this season. They got Kamavinga, Benzema playing the way he is. He obviously wants to keep his spot. All these Holland and Mbappe rumors. He's like, I'm still here, and I'm the best player in the league, so... You know, I think he's leading the league in goals and assists right now. Yeah, yeah, I won't deny that uh, Karim Benzema is still very much at his very best. We just saw him be influential in France, you know, winning that Nations League uh, finals that they were in against. I think he scored against both Belgium and uh, Spain in the finals. So, you know, even at his age, he's still absolutely banging them in on the top of his form. But there are warning signs for Real Madrid. One of the Cinderella stories of the Champions League so far, FC Sheriff, in their you know their first Champions League appearance, uh, their team from Moldova, went to the Bernabeu and beat Real Madrid 2-1 with a goal at the last minute. Uh, and then they followed that up, Real Madrid followed that up by going to Espanyol and losing 2-1. So there's, there's, some, uh, there's some cracks in the armor here. And I think it's, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it's, it's kind of seems like a similar issue to Barcelona, but I think with a uh, more hope than Barcelona may have, because I, I'm kind of hesitant to believe that Carlo Ancelotti is going to hand over the keys to the kingdom to this next generation of Real Madrid players uh, so soon. He did it in the Mallorca game, which they won 6-1. In that game, they had a midfield of Eduardo Camavinga, Marco Asensio, and Federico Valverde, and their front three was Rodrigo, Karim Benzema, and Vinicius Jr. All of those players other than Karim Benzema are under the age of like 24. So that's that's the next generation of Real Madrid coming through and showing themselves and, in and a even, La Liga game. Even in the back line, he had Eder Militao, uh, you know, Alaba, who just signed this, and this Gutierrez, last summer. The, the Spanish back. Yeah, back. and he's, only, he's 20 years old. So that's yeah, another so youngster, yeah. We're seeing glimpses wow. of that, but that, that was mainly due to injuries to, you know, Modric and uh, Casemiro's been playing a lot for, for Brazil and Real Madrid as well. So he's had to rotate some of the older players. I, I don't think it's imperative that he pushes out the older players. 
but he could reap great rewards if he really gives these young players a chance. Because, I mean, just listening to that list, I was even probably missing some players. That's a hell of a young generation, especially in midfield. Camavinga and Valverde are two of the best like box-to-box defensive midfield-type players of their generation. And Marco Asensio, uh, since he's come back this season, after you know having all kinds of injuries that have kept him out for like a terribly long time in the past, he looks like he's getting somewhat back to his best. But we just need to see it over a longer period of time. I'm not just I'm not saying they're not going to win La Liga. It's certainly up between them and Atletico Madrid. But I, I just think neither team has fully hit their stride yet, and we need to see which one of them, you know starts a, a, a winning streak first and can maintain that for the longest period of time. Because I don't think you're getting any sort of comeback league winner performances this season. It's going to be who can get their noses in front and try and maintain that. But yeah, I agree. I, I think, think Atletico are built two. for that. Atletico are kind of built for that, man. They, do, you want, do you want to know a random player that I think has been just amazing for them this season? Every game I've seen, Jeffrey Kondogbia. He's come in yeah, it's and crazy like how much the destroyer he's in midfield, yeah. and he's just insane. He's like a, he's the perfect Thomas Partey replacement. He'll play anywhere in midfield. He'll even play in the back line if you need him to. And then I haven't even mentioned, you know, obviously they haven't gotten the Griezmann thing since signing him like to really work just yet. But the three options that they mainly have, or four options, I guess they have up top are Luis Suarez, Antoine Griezmann, João Felix. And then uh, I forget which Correa it is, but one of the Correas. It's not Joaquin Correa. He's an inter. Do you know which one it is? Angel Correa. Angel Correa. He's like an incredibly underrated player. Like he may be like the fourth most talented of those four players and they can start him and not really miss a beat in La Liga. So I, I think Atletico end up just edging Real Madrid for La Liga this season. But it's going to be a hell of a title race. Uh, All right. Are there any, so any I have other Real, teams? you have Atletico, Alex. It's pretty good now. And then I think that fight for third and fourth is going to be is going to be pretty intense. Yeah, I mean, Real I think, Sociedad, I think between, Sevilla, between Sevilla, yeah, Via, Via Real, Barcelona, Valencia, Sociedad. There's a lot of teams that are going to be in it, and I don't think Barcelona or Shuins, like you said, and Via Real seem to have also had a an iffy start to the season as well. So I think Barca squeak squeak in. And I'm not sure who that fourth team. Probably Sevilla. They have they have a pretty good squad this season, and they kept Kunde, so I think they can they can make top four again. I, I even I even think they make it out of that Champions League group, uh, Group G, which is kind of the group the group of the shit teams: Salzburg, Sevilla, Wolfsburg, Lille. I mean, none of those teams I, I, are going to really go far. In, in it's actually in been one of the more round. exciting groups so far. It is. It's it's a very like even group, I would say, but none of those teams really deserve to be in the Champions League. So, I would say that enti- all of them should be in in uh, Europe. All right, League. shut the hell up about that. All oh, none of those teams deserve to be in Champions League. Like, get the hell out of here. You sound like one of those. Uh, you sound like Florentino Perez or uh, Agnelli being like, "We should form a Super League. These teams don't deserve to be in the same Champions oh, oh, League." Oh, FIFA as us. was just like, you know what? Let's make a third competition, the Conference League, and then uh, a couple of years from now, oh, and they're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have a World Cup and a Euro every year. Like they're just pieces of shit doing the and exact have, same thing. We're gonna have fifty man squads right. so that they can rotate players for all of these competitions. Just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and if you can't afford it as a club, then I guess you're screwed. <laughs> 
it's uh, sadly not even that big of a joke. Do you want to hit on Bundesliga real quick? I, I mean, we've already discussed the Bayern thing. I want to do. I want to do one team that you want to watch for, uh, or you want listeners to watch for this season. Well, I think I'm it's feeding been, you this one. It's been very been... obvious. Yeah, it's been very obvious. But I did in in the first preview pod gush a lot about Bayer Leverkusen, um, a team that coming into this season looked kind of unassuming. You know, they lost Kai Havertz last year and they lost Leon Bailey this summer. So they lost their two best players in, in, in back-to-back windows. And you would have thought there was going to be a big drop-off or they would take some time for there to be a rebuild. But they've been absolutely amazing so far. Um, they've been so much fun to watch and, Patrick Schick was the top scorer, uh, joint top scorer at the Euros with Cristiano Ronaldo, and he has not stopped scoring. He is, I think, top, like ne- behind, right behind Lewandowski. Um, well, no, Lewandowski is like far and away the top scorer, but then Schick is right behind him in terms of of goals scored for in in the Bundesliga, and um, that 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 team right now is. There's a lot of youngsters that that you can watch, and there's a good mix of of experience and youngsters that could push them into maybe like push Bayern for the title and Dortmund. Like maybe it's a three or four horse race. I'm sure they'll fall off at the end, but I think they have enough players right now. Um, other than Patrick Schick, um, Florian Wirtz, Musa Diaby's been like amazing. He's just been destroying teams so far in the Bundesliga. I've never seen Musa Diaby be as good. Florian Wirtz is like this 19-year-old. Reminds me of kind of a little bit of Lucas Podolski in him. He has a cannon oh, of a no. foot, but he's, I can he's kind of, fast. Okay, I can kind of see it. I don't know. He's he's. I mean, he's better Podolsky than, than Lucas Podolski. was good, but I never thought he was, you know, as good as when you see Florian Wirtz play. He's, I, I was going to say, okay, maybe put Podolski's finishing and combine it with Dennis Burkamp. In terms of like the role he plays, it's it's kind of like the the second forward drifting deeper into an attacking midfield role. Uh, yeah, it's it's just completely unpredictable for defenses to read. And I was just going to say about the, those three players you mentioned, Schick, Diaby, and Verts. I don't know which one of them you pick as like the sort of standout player. It's it's all three of them have just been. They've they've raised their game a completely another level uh, since the end of last season. I, I, sh- I think Schick you may pick as the sort of you know standout because of the Euros uh, campaign, how how well he did there. But I mean, uh, the the basic fact is that all three of them have uh, are the, the reason that they're currently tied with Bayern Munich on points going into uh, you know a first game after the international break against Bayern Munich that they'll be hosting. You know, if they if they do have uh, any thought, kind of thoughts about being the surprise quantity in the Bundesliga this season and pushing Bayern for the title, then there's no better way to do that than laying down a marker and beating Bayern Munich at home after this international break. So, so, so some of that experience that that um, you know Charles Arangis, who's been there for you know many many years now, he's just a workhorse in the midfield. Um, Ezequiel Palacios, the Argentinian midfielder, who I remember him on on River Plate 
when he was like 16 or 17, was tearing it up in Argentina. Um, now only 23 years old, popping up in Bayer Leverkusen. He's been great for them this season. Um, and then a couple just massive defenders in jo- Jonathan Ta, who who plays for the German national team, and Edmund Tapsoba. This no, like doesn't. 20 year old. I mean, he 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 get he get you know gets on the squad. He doesn't play for them, but you know he's he's good enough to make it on the team. And then Edmund Tapsoba, who's you know. 20 year old, six foot five, just monstrous center back who, uh, 22 year old, but he's, you know, considered to be, you know, rumored to get to go to like City or, or, or Real Madrid or one of these teams because, you know, he's going to go for some huge fee, 70, 80 million, if not, ne- you know, this next coming summer, you know, in, in a year or two. But yeah, he just, just a lot of talent on this squad. A lot of players to watch, and and I'm excited to watch them this season. Uh, there, there's even more. The, like Mitchell Baker, the uh, the left back that I think that they have, um, that that forward, um, that kid Paulinho that they have. He's like a Brazilian winger who's also been like coming D- off the bench for different them. Different Paulinho from the. Uh... Oh wait, no, sorry, I'm thinking of Mateus Cunha. Never mind. Yeah, Paulinho, the the winger, is pretty good. That's another player at Atletico Madrid that I forgot to mention. Mateus Cunha that they just signed. They have five forwards <laughs> that are like pretty fucking talented and bring you all sorts of different things. Sorry, I just want to go back to that. I'd forgotten about him. Uh, do you want to leave the Bundesliga uh, there for now? Because, I mean, Dortmund, I, I think I need to see a little bit more. They are just behind Leverkusen oh, and, and Bayern Munich. Amid Adley, he was on PSG. He was like in their academy. He was really good. He's been also playing Um, a bunch for for Leverkusen. Yeah, Amin Adli. He's another... They have so many young players that are... uh, Their goalkeeper, Lucas Hradecki, is pretty good. I just... I don't know. This team uh, got really, really good this last summer. And, you know, I'm excited to see how far they can go. Is that your pick for a team to watch this season in Europe? Definitely. Definitely. Okay thought it would have been AC Milan. All right. Well, let, let's move on to uh, Syria because, you know, Bundesliga, it's probably going to be Bayern Munich, but, you know, keep an eye on Bayer Leverkusen. They're definitely hot on their tails. But Syria, you could throw a couple of darts at a dartboard with Syria clubs posted all over it, and you'd probably have about as good of a chance of predicting the Syria winner this year than, uh, than we do. But Javier, if you had to take a guess, who's going to win? Italy's top tier. Who do you think it's going to be? I said it in the preview pod, and I still think it now. I, I think no, AC Milan are winning the that league this year. That pod doesn't exist. Never existed. You're saying it now. Well, I'm telling the the listeners that I said it once, and I'm saying it now again. I I think AC Milan are going to win the league because they have, I think, the best backline in the league and the best midfield. Um, offensively, they don't have the best front line but they have enough depth in that position where you know they right now they don't have Ibrahimovic, Giroud they're they're having to play Rafael Leao a bunch and Rebic at center forward and stuff like that and they're still you know two points off the top of the table with six wins and a draw you know fantastic start to the season and right before they break you know they just beat Atalanta away in in a huge game um and that that midfield of Brahim Diaz Frank Kessier and uh, Sergio Tonali, who's been you know playing more more and more for Italy recently, um, and then the that back line of 
uh, Theo Hernandez, uh, Fukayo Tamori, uh, Kier, who's who got nominated for Ballon d'Or, um, and uh, Calabria, who who also plays for for the Italian national team. So, I think that they, for the first time, have a team that can progress in the Champions League, progress in Serie A, and t- challenge for Serie A. You know, it's their first time back in the Champions League. I know that they haven't had the best start in the Champions League, but I think they got very, very unlucky. One. Yeah, they got very, very unlucky um, against Atletico Madrid. You know, they played at Anfield and they lost, which, you know, that's not nothing to be ashamed of. Um, yeah, they I mean, they, they've game. had good they performances in both games. Right. They had good performances in both games, and I don't think they're like completely out of it. You know, I think they could still possibly make out, out of though. that group. Yeah, it's probably they basically they basically have to get six points from this double header they're going to have against Porto, and Porto are they're no mugs. You know, they're they're just exactly. as likely that they, they exactly. have a point from their first game against Atletico Madrid, and they're thinking the same thing that they can beat AC Milan twice and set themselves up to get a win against one of Atletico Madrid and Liverpool in their second game, and maybe nick through nick it through and get uh, get through themselves. So. Uh, I would still say it's going to be very difficult for Porto and AC Milan to overcome those those first two games and being behind the teams as good as Atletico Madrid and Liverpool. But you're right in that AC Milan's performances in those first two games were very promising, if not for a kind of harsh red card on uh, Frank Kessier in the Atletico Madrid game. AC Milan were dominating that game. An unforgivable you know? red but, card. An unforgivable things like that red card. That make yeah. me think that this AC Milan team is not ready to win the league yet. And there's there's other teams that I think have stronger cases. No one is talking about Napoli. They're not my pick. But what name me another team in one of the top five leagues that started the season seven games played, seven wins. You know, it's not the toughest schedule, but they have wins against Juventus and Fiorentina just before the this international break. Fiorentina, by the way, another team you should watch out for. They've retained a lot of good pieces and are up in that top half just outside of the top four places. So that's an impressive win for Napoli. Uh, they've still got some remnants of, you know, the, the Sari era with Kaladu Koulibaly and uh, Insigne coming off a of great Euros. And, you know, they've got some new players that are just starting to get settled, like Victor Ossiman, who's, you know, one goal off the lead for Golden Boot in Italy with, with four goals, and uh, Erving Lozano. So they, they've been absolutely unstoppable so far. I, I don't expect them to, you know, build on this lead that they have. I think it's, let me see. Yep, they're on 21 points, and uh, Milan are just behind them on 19, having only drawn one game. But my pick, I think, are going to be the holders. I think Inter Milan, they're, they're a team that somehow won the league, lost their best player and their coach. And yeah, actually, you know what? That makes sense why people aren't talking about them for the lead, for the league, I guess. But I, I still think the, the, the players that they've brought in to make up for that, you know, Edin Dzeko, he's tied for the golden boot with five goals, or sorry, six goals. Lautaro's in second with five goals. Uh, Nicolo Barella in midfield is leading the league in assists with five assists. They still have an excellent back three with Andrea Bastoni, who's uh, you know been brought in by Antonio Conte and is now a staple in the back line. Uh, plus Devry and Skriniar and Handanovic in goal. They they're a very very good team that I maybe didn't get better. 
but they've changed their approach uh, from the more defensive three at the back f- uh, formation that Conte yeah, played and, and to a much more have, outgoing um, Simone and Zaghi three five two with Lautaro and the other, the other Carrera top. you mentioned, and he's been yeah. really good for them too. So yeah, they've got they've got attackers they've, galore. You're right, and they've got the they've got the championship winning pedigree. Once you've won it once, I'm always going to back you to win it over you know a team like AC Milan that. I don't know how, how ready they are to win the league in Syria. It's it's a really tough league now. There, it's I would say it's kind of similar to the Premier League in that you're never two weeks away from like a crunch matchup against a very good team that has exactly the same aspirations as you. And you know, like I said, with teams like Fiorentina, Roma, Lazio bringing in Sari, uh, there's all sorts of teams in that that mid table of Syria that have you know restated their intentions to push themselves back into top four. Napoli weren't even in the top four last year. They finished just outside and now they look like they're going to be right back in there. So it, I don't think it's going to be as easy for AC Milan to win the league as it may seem. Um, but I feel like which one of the other teams do you want to mention in Serie A? We don't have much time, but I feel like we do have to mention someone like Juventus. Yeah. I mean, you. I think you in the preview pod, thought that they were still going to be shoe-ins for top four. I don't think that's going to be the case now. I think it's going to be a struggle, and I think the emergence of a team like Roma and like Napoli are going to make it really, really hard for Juventus to make top four. You know, I think they're going to be in a slog with Atalanta, with Lazio, with Fiorentina, with Roma for, like, fourth spot. And I think... One, so two, we're, and we're three saying will probably we're saying away. the two we're saying the two Milan teams and Napoli we, we think they're guaranteed for top four now. Oof, I don't know if Napoli. I think. I mean the top because we're, we're also they haven't not lost even, yet. I know, and we're not even talking about Atalanta, who have had a rough start to the season. But you got to think that they're going to round into form at some point. Just uh, they may just be one of the casualties, crazy. to be honest. Yeah, they might be. They might be considering that they have they have not been good at all so far to start the season. Nor have Juventus, both of them sitting on eleven points after seven games. So not a great start to the season. Can say the same about Lazio, but like you said, yeah, it's kind of like the Premier League, where just from top to bottom, even the mid-table teams like Udinese, Sassuolo, Sampdoria, you see them play against teams like Lazio or like Roma or or even like Napoli or Inter. They'll have more possession than some of these teams. They'll lose the game like three nil, but they'll still get shots on target and have they have good midfield players and they play good football. So, Syria is definitely improving in quality and little by little, you know, they're starting to gain more of my respect. I, I do have to come back to Juventus because we, we've just kind of brushed over the fact that you know they obviously lost Cristiano Ronaldo to uh, Man United right at the end of the transfer window. They ended last season by sacking Andrea Pirlo and bringing back uh, Massimiliano Allegri, who had you know helped manage them to countless titles uh, uh, before they booted him for sorry. He's back, and I, I, we finally got a glimpse of that old Allegri Juventus in that Champions League game against Chelsea, where you know they just shut down the game, defended extremely well for the the entire ninety minutes. With you know great efforts from uh, Bonucci, and then they just hit Chelsea at the the perfect opportunity right off the kickoff for halftime with you know Federico Chiesa's ability to be just absolutely cutthroat and direct when uh, Chelsea went to sleep. And 
you know, from the Chelsea perspective, I was very frustrated with that game because I thought, you know, Chelsea are our better team than Juventus right now, based off form, looking at Juventus's results in the league recently. But if they can somehow manage to, you know, replicate results like that, you know, over a longer period, then obviously you think they might be back. I, I just have a hard time believing Allegri can do that when it seems like the rest of the, of the league has kind of passed him by. It seems like Italy as a nation, maybe they haven't completely uh, done away with the the old you know ways of... So Allegri still plays this like defensive style, whereas the rest of Italy has just sort of passed them by and gone with more much attacking, more attacking yeah, philosophies. You know, I Napoli, agree. AC Milan, Inter Milan, uh, Fiorentina... Lazio, Atalanta, these are all teams that you look at in the top half of the table and you think they have, you know, forward-thinking, outgoing managers. Mourinho and Allegri are pretty much dinosaurs in this league now. They they, they play the old method of defensive football. I could see him trying to play like a 3-5-2 with like Dybala as a little bit more of a dropped-in center forward, maybe Morata up top um, or... Moise Kane? Or, or, yeah, or Moise Kane or even Chiesa. Um, Chiesa, and then, yeah, sorry. And then playing uh, Kulashevsky behind them and Quadrado. And, you know, there, there's enough pieces in the team that he should be making top four with this team. There's a lot of quality. They have a lot of youngsters like um, Bentancourt and, and Locatelli in midfield, both, you know, excellent world class midfielders who would make any team in the, or in the world. So he even still has Mateus Delic to, you know, a couple of years ago, everyone was touting as you know the 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 best young center back in the world. So there's a lot of talent on this Juventus team, and I think they sh- he should be squeaking by top four. But I think it's going to be a slog. I, th- I think it's going to be come down to the end of the season, and how good or bad DiBala plays for Juventus season is going to determine if they make that top four or not. If he can be go back to that like 17, 18 goals in Syria and you know, eight or nine assists, then yeah, I think they'll, they'll make top four. But if they can't find that player again, then I think they're going to be in trouble. They're not going to have a talisman. I mean, Chiesa is obviously going to be the other guy, but I don't know if he's ready to become the 20 goal scorer a year type player. I think he is from everything we've seen at the Euros. I mean, maybe they can figure out a way to play like a, a 3-4-3 with both Chiesa and Dybala involved with uh, one of Murata or Kane as the as the center forward, but any any way you look at it, Chiesa has to be in the team. He's like on form, and like like this calendar year, he's he's been Juve's best player, and he single handedly kept them in that that Porto game that they eventually got knocked out in the Champions League last year. So he's 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 also like just the man for the big occasion. He shows up when it when he needs to, and you know they're kind of since Ronaldo's left. It's kind of been something that people have been trying to pose as a like a, a positive, like a net positive for their team. That with Ronaldo leaving, there won't be this sort of over reliance on him, and the rest of the team will have room to sort of, you know, express themselves and take more responsibility and just play better as a, as an eleven man unit. I, I kind of buy into that. I just think it might take a little bit of time, and I think they just barely edge it into top four, like you said. And I think that top four at the end of the season is. Inter Milan, AC Milan, Napoli, and Juventus. I, I don't see I don't see any holes in Napoli. I know you're, I know you're thinking like which team's the odd one out. I, I think Juve have the the biggest chance of being outside of the top four out of those four teams I just picked. 
maybe Napoli just behind them, but I, again, Napoli have just they've been so good. You can't you can't fault them so far. You really can't. W- would you say that's your top four? Would you pick the same yeah. or maybe make a change? Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. All right. Well, I think I gave my team to watch for the season. I'll have it be Fiorentina officially because they are fun to watch. You'll have it on Bayer Leverkusen. So uh, if you guys are why, why Fiorentina, know. Alex, give us give us some players that you. Uh, who should we watch? It's actually not the players that I'm I'm thinking about. It's uh, Vincenzo Italiano, their uh, their new head coach. He's uh, he plays a very attacking system. His name is literally Vincent the Italian. So uh, what, what more do you want for, out of that? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Let we need to watch Vincent the Italian, and uh, he will bring us attacking football. Oh, we've mentioned amongst ourselves when we've been talking about them. Obviously, Dusan Vlahovic staying in the summer is a coup for Fiorentina because, you know, clubs from Hasn't Spain to England. Hasn't started off the season the hottest, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, he scored to, uh, today in an international game for Serbia twice. So, yeah, maybe that gets his confidence back. But, you know, they as a team have been playing really well. Uh, you know, they've got Eric Pulgar, a defensive midfielder from Chile that I'm, I'm a very big fan underrated, of. very good player. Yeah, they've brought in Alvaro Odriozola on loan from Real Madrid to play at right back. Nicolas Gonzalez, the 23 year old Argentine midfielder who plays for the Argentine national team. I think he was involved in that that Copa America win. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not it's good, not great names all over the field for them. But the way Italiano sets them up, it, it just works. They're a fun team to watch. They ended the, uh, the the league campaign before this current international break with a loss at Napoli, but they were not out of that one. They only lost two one, and you know they scored first and you know it uh, looked like they were doing well until uh, Napoli grabbed two goals uh, a couple minutes later so Fiorentina very fun to watch keep an eye out for them Abigail let's wrap it up there got a good hour and you know plenty of other stuff to talk about didn't get to mention Dortmund much but we'll do another one of these during the November international break so keep your eyes out for the uh, the teams we've mentioned uh, Javier any uh, final, final words before we uh, let him go for uh, today yeah, I'm sorry, Erling Holland. We should have talked about you more on this pod. He's injured right now. We don't have any new updates for Holland. You know, we'll wait till he you know scores another couple of hat tricks against whoever his next victim is, and you know we'll we'll gush uh, you know about who him we next should time. Mention? We should we didn't mention um, Adeyemi, the uh, fr- the German uh, striker. Again, let's leave it for next time. Well, 19 year old on uh, Salzburg. I know, He's I know you're watch. just trying to get it in there in case he scores yes. a hat trick in the Champions yes, League. So. I have to uh, I have to I have to get get the viewers alerted to some of these uh, young gods coming up. All right, well, thank listeners. you for keeping the, uh, the the viewers or the listeners uh, you know up to date on all of the the, the young gods uh, that are upcoming. You can follow us on social media at javierev 9 for Javier's Twitter, at asmos92 for my Twitter and my Instagram at Ghost Gold Pod for the podcast socials. If you're listening on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review podcasts, we'd really appreciate it if you you know went and go ahead and did did so right now. It helps new listeners to find the pod and you know we'd really appreciate it if you guys could help us grow this thing a bit. So thanks again for listening to the Ghost Gold Podcast, Continental Catch Up, and until next time. See you.